the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. All right, this episode of the College Planning Edge podcast was originally broadcast on our Facebook page as part of our weekly show, Mondays, 9 a.m. Eastern, facebook.com slash Lockwood College Prep. And in this episode, I talked about the uh, an abbreviated version of a webinar that I did last week to unpack this year's college admissions results. I'm talking about the class of 2022. The title of the webinar was RIP Safety School. And I expressed my theories that there really aren't any more safety schools. Although, specifically what I mean by that is you can't treat these schools that are quote-unquote beneath you academically as safeties anymore. So in this episode, I kind of run through a few of those tips and specific recommendations for class of 23 and younger. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you have any questions at all, you can always reach out to us on our website, LockwoodCollegePrep.com. And we have a whole bunch of other offerings there. There's a webinar there. We're running a summer boot camp um, for Class 23. You can click on resources to find out more about that. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to College Coffee Talk. This is a show that we do every week on our Facebook page right here. Sometimes broadcast it out simulcasted or re recorded casted out um this is a show that is all about getting into college paying for college test prep uh getting your applications done your essays done you name it anything that has to do with college my name is andy lockwood and today not joined by my wife and partner pearl chisner lockwood who is out on special assignment taking her daughter to the doctor for a scheduled appointment everything's okay so i'm flying solo here but I'm still drinking coffee, so if you have your cup, please engage. You're, you're invited to engage in a simultaneous sip. Here we go. And that is a cold cup of coffee. So <clears throat> what I want to talk about today is um, kind of a, an abbreviated version of a webinar I ran a couple of times last week um, for client and non-client alike that had to do with trying to unpack this uh, last cycle of admissions results. You know, April 1st has come and gone, and most colleges now have, have issued their acceptances, denials, or wait lists for the class of 2022. So I'm going to chat a little bit just to share my thoughts on what happened this year, because it was a weird year. You know, every, every year, uh, a lot of parents and guidance counselors act like the sky is falling and they can't make heads or tails of things. And I usually sort of silently, which is unusual for me, um, will uh, kind of roll my eyes because usually I roll them really loudly. But uh, but this year definitely was different. And the trends that uh, I have observed over the last couple of years, I think really crescendoed this year. Or, well, maybe not. Maybe they'll be even more pronounced next year, but I don't think so. So, a lot of kids didn't get into schools that they quote unquote deserved to get in. 
So there were tons of examples of kids, you know, like getting into an Ivy League school, but not getting into Miami or Bucknell or Tulane or schools that are, you know, high quality schools, but they're not at that upper echelon, top tier, super competitive school. And, you know, there's, there's a few reasons, I think, that contributed to these wacky admissions results. But by the way, that does happen every year, but this year it happened more so than uh, than ever. So the factors that that I can think of, the, the obvious ones were, number one, test optional policies drove up admissions uh, applications, submissions so much more than in years past. So this year, according to the Common App, it, uh, applications were up 10%, which is a lot, because last year they were up 10% compared to the previous year. So there's been this uh, spike in applications being submitted. There aren't more kids graduating high school, by the way, um, where I think we're slightly below the peak of, uh, of high school grads, and that's going to continue to drop. But there are more applications being submitted per student. So what that does is uh, a couple of things. And, and by the way, it doesn't just happen. You know, these colleges are relentless marketers. So if you're, if you're wondering, you know, why you get a ton of emails from colleges you never heard of or brochures, um, don't read into them. Don't think that that means you're practically accepted, you know, even to an Ivy League school that does that. That's a joke around our house. You know, when my kids get letters from, you know, brochures from Yale, I'm like, Lizzie, you got into Yale a couple years ago. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything other than they have purchased your, those colleges have purchased your name or your kid's name and address from the college board. Because once you register for the PSAT, the college board, you know, collects the fee. And then on average, they apparently will sell your name, your, your child's name over the next three years, two and a half years, on average, 18 times. And colleges can subscribe to that data and purchase it for, um, I can't remember how much it is. It's, uh, it's like 50 cents a name or 30 cents a name or something. And then they can you know, use that information to send out these direct mail campaigns, which are usually hard copy mail, a ton of emails that kids don't open, and occasionally phone calls and texts. So they do this and don't feel sorry for them that they, they got overwhelmed with applications or you know, don't even virtually pat them on the back when they brag about how their applications were up this year. They've never received any, you know, they've never received more applications. It's a record year for applications. It's almost like, gee, I don't know how this happened, but you know, we know how it happened. It's it's because they solicited those applications coming in. So um, so that's one thing. The um, the results in is that colleges really don't have a feel for how many kids will actually show up if they admit them. And that ratio of admitted children to to kids who are actually matriculate is called the yield. You know, so like an Ivy League school usually has a 50% or higher, you know, maybe 80% yield. But the schools that are less competitive, you know, good yield is 40% or 30%. Um, a lot of colleges were looking at single-digit yields. At least they were projecting that or they were nervous about that. So I heard more than one story uh, from an insider. So I, I can't reveal my sources. Um, who told me that they were his college that he worked for, he's in admissions, was considering going out and buying a list of, of families that were never going to be able to be admitted at all because they lacked the academic credentials in high school. 
and um, just so they could solicit applications and then reject them to to bump up not only their acceptance rate but also the uh, the yield. So um, pretty hardcore stuff, right? It's not just these aren't just educational institutions, right? They're 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 businesses, brass knuckles businesses. So test options sort of drove that, but but the second factor, maybe the first factor, is really the the colleges embracing direct mail, you know, direct marketing which has been going on for, you know, probably more than 20 years. Um, then you've got more international students applying this year compared to last year. And you've all, you also have uh, the kids who took gap years, you know, who deferred, who are now um, entering. So these are kids who graduated high school in 2021. They're now joining the cohort of kids who graduate 2022 as they enter college. That wasn't a huge amount of kids, but at some schools it was pretty significant, particularly the smaller schools. Um, and then you've got, you know, just general, um, uncertainty, which, which pervades the whole process, not just for, for, uh, moms and for kids, but also for the colleges, you know, circling back to the, uh, um, to the, to the questions about yield. So I think what that means is number one, this year, there's going to be a lot of movement on the wait lists. So after May 1st comes and housing deposits don't come in, colleges are going to immediately scramble. Some, some have already started, even Ivy League schools, but but for the most part, uh, the next tier down. So if you are if you are waitlisted, your job is to convey to the college, if you let me off the waitlist, I'm going to come. And I'm recommending you do this to only one college. Um, if you don't do that, you know, plenty of other people uh, behave that way. I'm not judging, but my recommendation is to pick a favorite and tell them that and I'm not on some ethical high horse. I just uh, I just think that's the right way to do things, though. But, you know, like I said, I don't judge. Um, and then update them. You know, it's called a letter of continued interest, coli. Uh, not E. coli, just coli. But if you send it by email, I guess it is an E. coli. And um, you can, you know, let them know, hey, I've continued to take super hard courses, and my grades, you know, have never been better, and I re recently received this award, and... You know, I'm continuing to do this, uh, volunteer stuff, you know, whatever it is, that's positive. You don't have to regurgitate everything you've said on your application, and you certainly don't have to write a uh, why are you coming here to this college essay or why are you applying to this college essay, but you should keep it short and sweet and reiterate all these reasons and any, any new relevant updates and shoot it off. I wouldn't do it more than like probably twice, three times max just to let them know once is probably enough, but I like just, just to make sure that you're sort of the, at the front of their brains and then just be prepared um, to, to move quickly. Now, financial aid wise, you may not get the best offer if you're off of a wait list, because usually that's an, if you're on the wait list, that's an indication that you're not one of the top you know, draft picks, so to speak for that college. Um, but I've seen all kinds of crazy things. So, uh, you know, there's a, uh, I think it's Carnegie Mellon. Maybe I've seen a few times where, before they admitted someone off the wait list, they sent a letter saying, listen, we're thinking about taking you off the wait list. This is what your financial aid package would look like, hypothetically, if uh, you were off, if we let you off the wait list, would this be acceptable to you? I think that's the only college I can recall that does that, something like that. Um, most of the time, they don't do that. In Carney's case, I, I think the financial aid packages that I saw that my clients had were, the, the hypothetical ones were pretty good. So uh, you never know. 
right? But most of the time, it's it's not a leading indicator that you're going to get a financial a nice financial aid package if you're on the wait list. All right, what does this mean for class of 22? And, and by the way, let me just say hi to anyone who's um who's here. Uh, hello to Michelle Delutri. Anyone else? If you have any comments, um, pop them right in here, uh, either live or on replay. Um, don't be shy. Say hi, and I will pick them up. Uh, you know, either now or at some point in the future, near future. So, for class twenty three kids, what does this mean? I think um, one of the big lessons that that uh, I've, I mean, I've always adhered to this, but I think I'm going to be a little bit stronger with my clients this year in insisting, to the extent that I can do that, that they visit their safety schools, what they perceive to be safety schools. The visits are happening. They happened last year. Um, and, and, and visiting is, is probably the most powerful way to express interest, to show that you actually are indeed um, you know, potentially willing to attend that college that they let you in, even if it's beneath you. And the reason for that has, has to do with the yield. That's the main contributor to colleges like Tulane and Miami and Bucknell not admitting kids that are clearly above the median GPA and SAT or ACT score, whereas in contrast, they admit kids with lesser grades and scores. That's confusing to a lot of people every year, high schools throughout the land and kitchen tables throughout the land. But the reason is because they're protecting their yield. They don't want to admit kids that are not willing to, uh, they don't, they don't believe are really tr genuinely interested in coming because a lower yield hurts their financial position in ways that are a little too esoteric to talk about. It indirectly hurts the rank. There's other bad things associated with a low yield. So you've got to suck up or show the love to your quote unquote safety schools. Um, I had one kid in particular this year who, you know, great kid, worked hard, did probably 95% of what I recommended. And in that 5% of what uh, he didn't do, one of them was visiting schools, even, even a local school that he thought was a safety school. And, um, and I'm not blaming him actually, um, to, to be fair, his father was the one who said, let's not take you anywhere after you get in. Even though we had two discussions, probably more, plus you know lessons like these um via group where i said you know they need to uh, believe that if they admit you you have a shot at coming they don't want to they don't want to be you know told flat out that they're being used as a safety school and and you're, you're never going to show up so uh you very well may end up end up at a safety school even though you you know you don't think that's what you deserve Talked to a whole lot of kids in the last uh, two weeks who are attending schools that they thought were safeties. They didn't get into most of the schools that they thought were, you know, legitimate target schools. When I was reviewing stuff, I wasn't so sure that I agreed with them uh, after the fact. But, um, you know, what you, have to th what you have to think about is, is there really such a thing as a safety school anymore? So I'm not telling you to fall in love with your safety schools, but you've got to certainly, you know, be a little more enthusiastic about them in your own way.
kids, kids too. So visit, you can't visit every college, but that's a, that's a very good um, demonstrated interest, you know, tactic. So is showing up and registering for the info sessions. So is opening the emails that they send you with, uh, you know, responding to them, engaging with them, following them on social. You can probably brainstorm another half a dozen things to, to do. But I think that's that's what's incumbent upon 2023 and younger kids to do in order to combat this yield protection that is it's rampant. Um, another thing, I'll just, I guess I'll just wrap up here uh, just in case I haven't pissed anyone off yet. Um, the uh, the other trend that I noticed, I, you know, I, I thought everyone would notice this, but it didn't seem like everyone I spoke to was aware of this. But um, there, there's been a, uh, a widespread embracing of a sort of an aggressive recruitment of underrepresented minorities and low-income families this year compared to last year, even by schools that I, you know, formally didn't think of as, you know, going woke, you know, embracing the, the, the woke agenda. And, and specifically one of those schools that I've mentioned a few times is, is Boston College. You know, typically they are um, very uh, aggressive in recruiting you know kids from Catholic schools from parochial schools kids from you know neighborhoods that that tend to mirror uh, the demographics of kids who go to uh, Catholic schools and parochial schools and this year uh, it's been very hard to get into BC from the traditional strongholds you know from those areas and uh, not just BC, but that's to me, that's what I've witnessed at my micro level, the most uh, sort of pronounced demonstration of this new agenda that I think a lot of schools are embracing. So um, what that means is if you are, you know, a white guy, a girl or an Asian guy or girl or Indian you know, guy, or girl, um, that doesn't mean that you're at a disadvantage necessarily, but it could mean that you've got to work a lot harder because what you have is neutral. It's not an advantage the way it is if you are an underrepresented minority or an international student or, or something else that is, you know, a special category that's, you know, highly desired, like a recruited athlete or a legacy in most cases, but not all uh, an international student. So you need to start thinking honestly and looking at the big picture and not being myopic and looking at just the small picture, which might be, Oh, my grades are great. And my scores are great. And, you know, I'm, uh, editor-in-chief of the school magazine those are all great things but you're if you're applying to a competitive school there's probably another i don't know ten thousand kids to fifty thousand kids who look pretty similar to you so you've got to start thinking about yourself if, if you're younger ninth grade tenth grade eleventh grade as a product I told you i was trying to piss some people off but i'm really not think of yourself as a product that needs to be marketed how would you objectively market yourself compared to the all the competition, not just your friends or other kids in your grade or other kids in your high school who have gone to particular, those particular colleges in the past, but it's really all, all over the world. You've got to get that perspective. And that's probably the number one thing that most parents and kids and guidance counselors for sure lack is the, is the bigger perspective of actually what admissions officers are looking for. All right. So I am going to wrap up here again. If you have a, you know, anything you want to um, ask me about, just pop, pop them right in here. And um, if you want more information, you know, we have all kinds of resources to help a family, uh, you know, with, of college applicants, whether you're class of 23 or beyond. 
you know, helping you with the applications and essays. We're running um, our seventh annual summer boot camp, which you can check out on our website, lockwoodcollegeprep.com slash bootcamp. Uh, and we have other, you know, free webinars and uh, we do one-on-one consulting. We do test prep and all that. So it's all there on our website, lockwoodcollegeprep.com. But the boot camps are for this summer. Those are filling up. Those are for class of 2023 kids. So if you are, um, um, you get nervous about what the summer is going to look like in terms of your essay, the kids' essays and applications. You don't want to scream and holler at them all, uh, all, all summer. Um, that's exactly why we run these boot camps. But anyway, thanks for watching. Have a great week and good luck in the college process and beyond. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle group coaching membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass. Um, And get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits. Check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com. And use the coupon code PODCAST for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.